At this time, I would like to introduce our speaker, Stephen Kay from Ireland. Stephen Manatic. Let's kind of loosen up and let all the. So just give me a few minutes and um, I just want to throw some mud in the eye first of this disease and, um, and, and just tell you a little story, a true story, about um, the gang of the Irish boys were in Italy at the European Convention in 1990, the ECCNA. And after the meeting, they went to a local meeting, and they had a guy translate while the, while the speaker was sharing the chair. So that was fine. And then after the speaker finished, the translator stepped back, and somebody else started sharing. The translator didn't say a word. He was just sitting there. And all the guys are kind of looking at each other, wondering, what's going on, what's going on? So somebody clicked, plucked up the courage and nodded the translator and said, what's going on, what's going on? And the translator said, is the same as shit. I have nothing new to bring. Nothing. It's all been done. I'm not telling you, I'm just telling this guy up here in my head. Those hecklers, you remember they used to sit on the balcony in the Muppet Show, the two old guys. You don't impress me, you don't impress me. <clears throat> anyway, before I begin, um, I'm going to... I'm going to read something. It's an Irish poem. Um, this morning I got a call from home. A friend of ours at home, Albert B., took a massive heart attack not 12 hours ago. And um, everybody in the fellowship knows Albert at home. Um, and, uh, and I just really hope Albert lives to hear this prayer. It's called Be Not. On the day when the weight deadens on your shoulders and you stumble, may the clay dance to balance you. And when your eyes freeze behind the grey window and the ghost of lost gets into you, may a flock of colours, indigo, red, green and azure blue, come to awaken you in a meadow of delight. When the canvas frays in the colour of thought and the stain, in the stain of ocean, Blackened beneath you, may there come across the waters a path of yellow moonlight to bring you safely home. May the nourishment of the earth be yours. May the clarity of light be yours. May the fluency of the ocean be yours. May the protection of your ancestors be yours. And so may a slow wind walk these words of love around you, an invisible cloak to mind your life. Keep fighting, Albert. <coughs> um, also, you know, before I begin, it's not all about me, um, and I can't—I just can't get to that, you know. Um, you know, recent events, um, the hurricane and stuff, and you know. Um, so I like to take a minute silence. Um, 
for the people who are suffering and displaced, for the families of, of the people who have been lost, and to take some time from this wonderful place that we're in. And then um, maybe close our eyes for a minute and just, you know, not just send the love from here, but to bring the love back and do what we can. Um, so I'd like to take a minute silence for that. Okay, I better begin. Um, so I start at the beginning. Um, you know, I, I think when it comes to qualifying being Irish, I really don't, you know, have too much to say. You know, <laughs> but um, obviously, uh, it, it gets to be the same. That it's the same. It's the same. It's the same. And. Um, but my story is I come from a family of seven. I'm the middle child of seven. My father was an alcoholic. My mother was dependent upon prescription drugs. And growing up, in, I, I come from a high-rise high project. And um, Bally Moon just got to mention in there. So I got so many texts from, from the guys that they make sure that I mention the neighborhood. And, um, but, uh, yeah, so my father just wasn't there, like... He just really wasn't there. And there was a lot of love there in the beginning, in the early years, from my mother, until she became, you know, dependent upon the, the prescription drugs, the Valium and stuff. And, um, and I know that something was placed in my heart at that time, um, something that made me recognize that, you know, when I got to be older and I realized some of the things that I was doing, that it just wasn't right, like, that it just wasn't right. And... Um, I rang my mother on the beach this morning, and uh, and I thanked her for my life. And my father, who was over 20 years clean in the OFF, as we call it back home, you're a fucking fellowship. Um, <laughs> but, uh, and I thanked him for my life. I thanked him for my life. You know, it's easy to get into the, you know, I wouldn't have been an addict if it wasn't for him and it wasn't for that, you know. The other side of that is that I wouldn't be sitting here, standing here as it is, um, in Hawaii at a war convention. And he told me he was really proud of me. And uh, I just need to share that, you know. Um, I know we come in here, men, we come in and we're thinking, we're all of that, you know, hard and jail and uh, come over here and hug me and none of that stuff, you know. When I got here in NA, I mean, I was afraid of being hugged, but I was more afraid of not being hugged. And, uh, and so the freedom that I have in my life today comes as a result of me being vulnerable. And me being vulnerable... This is probably one of the hardest things I've had to do throughout my life. Never mind my recovery. But, um, anyway, 
So I went to school. I didn't do well in school. I was a clown. I was I used to torment everybody, particularly the teachers. I just torment them. Um, I just had this overwhelming ability to torment people. And um, <laughs> particularly people in authority, you know. And uh, I, I just think, like a seven or eight, I said, no, nah, I've had enough of that shit. It's like, you know, wherever, you know. And, um, and so I just started to do things my own way. Like I, I never took discipline. I never took any of that sort of stuff. And as a result... You know, I didn't end up, like, with much going on upstairs, like, in relation to books and education, you know. And um, so I took my lessons on the street, and I learned my lessons on the street. And, um, and they served me well on the street. They really did. But um, when I got clean, um, obviously that was... One of the things as well was to let go of all the behaviour and all the thinking around stuff and, you know, trying to push through all that sort of stuff and that. You know, I, I'm aware that the theme of the, the, the World Convention is one, one fellowship and many friends and I know I kind of get into that maybe a bit later on and talk about the whole friendship thing. And um, I got to NA when I was 18 and uh, I was on a fisectone course at the time in the treatment centre in Dublin. And... Um, not a treatment centre, a detox centre. And, um, and I went along and they said, you know, go, go to N.A., you know. Um, and I, I went along to N.A., a priest brought me to my first N.A. meeting, me and another guy, another two guys. And um, one of them guys said, clean. And he's still clean today. Thanks, Johnny. Staying clean. Give me your hope. And... Um, and so I, I, I wasn't ready, though. At that stage, I, I wasn't ready. Like, I sat around the room, and I saw a lot of kind of old-bearded guys talk about stuff, you know, the houses and work, and then it was like, you know, I was looking for the guys that, you know, and half, half arms and half legs and scars down here, and, you know, I was thinking as well in my head, one of the guys in my head was thinking, you know, you don't qualify to be up there. In order to, talk, you know, qualify to be up there, like, you have to kind of almost crawl up to the stage, you know, for a hump on me back. One way gone, and you know, you know, I maybe die in the middle of the of the of the of the, of the, of the, the chair, like you know, hardcore addict. But, um, so as you can imagine, I still struggle with the voices in my head, like you know, I still got a lot of dialogue going on in the background there, and um, and it's always that dialogue that comes to me first, like you know, it's never the words of compassion and love and. You know, the stuff I've learned around here about how to support each other, that's not really the stuff that comes to my head first. I'm kind of like, what the fuck are you? You know, it's like, yeah, you know. But um, through kind of all the adversity, you know, and I know I'm probably jumping all over the place here, and you just stick with me until I warm up and maybe get into a groove. But, um, you know, there's so much. I mean, believe it or not, I mean, I'll probably seem that I might get a little bit tired when I'm speaking. Because in my head, I've already done about a thousand chairs. Because, you know, other guys in my head, they've all, they've all done about a thousand chairs, like. And um, I kind of pray before I come in here. It's that funny thing again, isn't it? You know, I find myself in a, on my knees in the toilet again, you know. Um, maybe for different reasons, though, this time. Um, but um, some things don't change, you know. Um, and I asked, I asked my higher power, like, I asked them to just... You know, to help me be calm and, and serene and, and to maybe, 
you know, to give a message of my experience, you know, and that maybe I can, you know, forward my recovery and hopefully, you know, shine a bit of light maybe for somebody else. And um, that's what happens to me when I listen in Narcotics Anonymous and uh, from, from day one and until this day. And um, so I got here, I was, I, I was 18 and I wasn't ready, I just wasn't ready and I went back out and... Um, you know, one of the things that I was thinking of was that, you know, sure I'm nervous about coming up here, you know, sure I am, like, you know, and you think that, you know, with all the preparation, you know, all the meetings that I've gone to and all the time that I've shared, you know, that there should be a piece of piss, basically, but, um, it's not. <laughs> there was something else, though, that kind of superseded the sort of nervousness I had about sharing in front of you people today. And coming up here and burying me soul, you know, because it is a sort of, you know, that I feel naked up here, you know. And uh, but, um, the thing that superseded that was there's someone in the room today who's never heard me share. Has never been in, 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 in a room with me and heard me speak. And, and we celebrated 19 years of marriage last Tuesday, and she's here today. <laughs> To that one. <laughs> you know, and John said to me earlier, to my class, he said to Dominic, and uh, he said, I see you get out of the car last night. You were black suit, you were in a hummer, where the fuck, where the fuck are you doing? And uh, I'm a chef, you know, and I love food, and I don't have any problems spending big money on food. And then uh, myself, my wife, and my friend Derek, we went to the Lamar restaurant. The Halakalani, Derek, the Halakalani. And, uh, you know, and there's a suit and tie affair and stuff. And, um, you know, I just feel so privileged about stuff like that, you know, that I can do stuff like that, that this bone ass addict, you know, can go walk into places like that and hold my head up high and be quite assertive, in fact, you know. Uh, and, um, and I'm one of the many gifts that I've been given in my recovery, you know. And uh, so again, uh, I keep going, I keep moving along, and um, you know, you know, I thank a higher power, and I thank Narcotics Anonymous, you know, for getting me clean and helping me to stay clean <clears throat> on a daily basis. But um, I would not have got clean unless my wife stayed with me. I, my story would have been that my wife left me, I kept using, and I died. And that would be the story that's not told here. It's the story of the addict that didn't make it. Because when those turning points and them situations in our lives, you know, when something called us and something's pulled us in, in the direction, you know, of the light, you know, and um, amidst all of that, even last night, like, and the sort of, you know, the niceties of all the rest of it, you know, Sandra did start doing me head in at the, at the meal, you know, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> you know, so what I'm trying to say is, it's like, sure, the dream is real, but the reality kicks in, you know, and, and my wife was doing the 10 steps for me before I knew what the 12 steps were. <laughs> and she continues to do so. And I need that. I need that. And, um, 
And I love you, Sandra. Um, so, so I went out for four more years. I met Sandra in the meantime, and um, my, my years kind of went undercover a bit. And uh, you know, I was, you know, I was kind of shown little bits of what I was doing, but not at all. And um, and that went on for another four years. In the meantime, we got married. I just about was holding down a job. I got out of jail in 1985. I was given a start in a catering training centre, and um, I'm still in I'm still in catering, and I'm still working restaurants and stuff. But um, in 1987, October 1987, um, the guy that I used to leave me me syringe with me walks with. He wasn't going to be there, so I had to take it home. I took the syringe home and hid it in the, the best hiding place in, in the flat. And um, women, being what they are, um, found it within two minutes. And, uh, <laughs> but the important thing is, is that, you know, I was on my way back from one of those situations where it's like, you know, I'm just going down to the shops to get a pint of milk and I was gone like seven hours. And I was on the way back and Sandra was on the way down and she had this piece of tissue, blood-stained tissue, with this syringe in it. And, uh, and the pain in her eyes. And I knew at that moment that I'd broken this woman's heart. And, uh, but I also knew at that moment that that was it, you know. And I didn't stop using, you know, from, from that very time. There was also something else that happened that was quite profound at that time. And that there was a security guard who used to walk in the Ballymun shopping centre, the beard we used to call him, and we fucking hated him. And, um, but just as that was happening, and I was pleading with Sandra, you know, giving it the the blues brush. Don't leave me, baby! Don't leave me, baby! I will go ahead and miss every moment! This guy appears out of nowhere, like, like this. And it, I mean, my humiliation was bad enough, and it just drove me deeper and deeper into the ground. But the upshot of that is that, um, I needed to feel the humiliation at that level in order to become willing to make a change, you know, and, um, so Sandra hooked off anyway. Let me on my knees. She wasn't having the bar of it. And, uh, and I went back up to the flat and I was like feeling sorry. And I had my cans and I had my, my hash. And I was thinking, that's it. I don't know what I'm going to do. But, you know, but the knock came back on the door and that was it. And that's when things turned around for me. And within two weeks I was clean. 17th of October, 1987. And... Um, kind of feeling like I need to get going now on this thing and uh, you know I got, I got loads of texts from people you know like oh, my battery ran out and I can't charge it back up like since about midday yesterday they've just been coming ticking fast and uh, the amount of love that I'm being sent like from thousands of miles away it's just incredible like, you know, it's got through it like with all the people like 
one of the text messages that was sent for me um, from my friend Mick was that the reason that I have so many friends is because I'm a friend to so many. And there's so many people that I want to mention. Really, so many people that I know that are standing here. Those, I don't know what that guy Charles called them, uh, those, uh, you know, those schizo-hallucinogenic people, you know, and they're all standing here on the stage with me, you know. And, uh... Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, Special mention to Paul G, Mount Joy Prison. Um, you know, Paul is carrying the message at home. You know, we tried for years and years and struggled for years, I hate you know. He had an atmosphere of recovery going in the prison services back at home. And, um, you know, I just want to kind of tap me, me cap to, to Paul, because I know since he got clean in prison, he's become a beacon to other people. and. You know, um, another guy, Danny, who is out, out of jail at the moment as well, and, um, and he's going to meetings and, you know, a couple of false starts and a bit of that, got out of jail, thought maybe he'd do it a different way and stuff, but he's back with us. And, um, you know, and to those guys, you know, um, because they're the ones that crush me, who crush me the most. And... Um, and long may I continue in my life, like that I that I don't lose focus on, on on what the real important thing is in recovery in our lives, and you know the trappings and the bonuses and the holidays and the cars and all that wonderful beautiful stuff that we're, that that we're able to accumulate when we get clean, when we apply ourselves, and um, when we walk the program and we walk the steps and you know we just try and get with it, like you know. Um, but most of all, service. Most of all, service. And um, because really, you know, I don't think I'd be standing here today if it wasn't because of service. You know, um, I know maybe I'd become visible to the fellowship because of service. And not just group service. And I'm not taking away or disrespecting group service or area service or regional service or European service or zone service. Or, but service all the way. All the way. Follow it through. All the way. Gain the experience. You know? Open up to how big this NA thing is. It's like we're completely universal. And I, I went to a European convention in 1994. I wasn't doing service. I was carrying a report from a region who couldn't make it. And I was completely overwhelmed by what went on in that room. Um, there was a conference at the back of the convention, you know, that's the way they do it there, and uh, they kind of run simultaneously. And uh, the thing that got me was, was that World Services, I think, had funded the Russian delegate to come. And this woman was sitting there, and she was terrified by this whole thing. And she made a donation of one dollar, and it was probably like a week's amount of money for her. But she made a donation of one dollar, and I nearly fell off my chair. I was so humbled by this woman's humility. And, um, because I know we can get busy and get really agitated around here and start slinging muck at each other and all the rest of it in service. I don't give thanks for the people in service who are stone mad. I really don't. I don't give thanks for that shit at all. But, um, 
But what I do need to remember is that sometimes that mad bastard is me, you know. And, uh, and I think that when we go and we do service, that we should all bring diapers with us and put them in front of us. And when the collective thinks that maybe there's a person over here doing too much shit and that we could all just throw our diapers at them. But, um, ain't it hard enough? Ain't it hard enough to do that shit? Anyway, um, I gotta make light of it because it's the only thing that works for me. I would not go near service for seven years. I mean, service beyond the group. Um, I would not go in there. I'd go in there and these, these guys that see a meeting who are caring and compassionate and loving and carrying a message and picking up newcomers and sitting with them for hours. You go to the service meeting and they're, they're like this and they're like, you know, you're thinking it's going to go off and it's like, you know, they're going to start pulling sticks out and start slapping each other around and, and I'm like, like how did that happen? We, we had a fellowship conscience at home in the first few months that I was clean. A fellowship conscience. The whole fellowship showed up for it. And um, I know it wasn't quite big then, but I mean, I couldn't get over the, the stuff that was people were slinging at each other, you know. And uh, But that's the miracle, isn't it? I mean, I, I wonder how. Not so much that we get clean and we're able to stay clean. I can, I can understand that. But the other miracle is, is, is the miracle that somehow or another, you know, that we're able to do service, we're able to agree, and we're able to keep growing, you know. And that always for me has to be the focus, that we continue to grow, you know, and not to get bogged down. But, um, so I, I got clean anyway. I got clean, um, and I really, I really wanted what was on offer, I really did, you know. And, you know, I had that same, you know, Charles spoke to you today about, you know, commitment and, and being involved. You know, he spoke about that. He talked about being a pig as an addict. He was totally committed. And, uh, and I'm a bit like that about my recovery. I know. I'm committed because I need to be. It's for me. I mean, I know there's people out there thinking, oh, God, he's so committed, he's such a great guy, and it's like, blah, I do this, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I do it for me, because I don't want to use. I don't want to lose what I have. I look around, and when I was clean, the room had 50 people in it, and I was the baby, and everybody cared for me. And I look around our room now, and I don't see them people anymore. I don't know where half of them are. And I looked at the stats out in the NA thing, the room out there, the Nas room, and I seen that like above 25 years, it's like 3%, and the one after that is 4%, and then it starts getting fat, you know, and, um, and jumping out like, you know, 10 years and below, and 1 to 5 is the biggest, you know. My hope, my message, is for the people 1 to 5 years, you know, the people 11 to 20 years, whatever it is, they keep coming back. I have another question, it's like, where are you going to them other guys? It's like, where are you going? You know? I'm scratching my head and I'm thinking like, you know, because I say at the end of, the, of when, when we wrap up at home, I say keep coming back, we've nowhere else to go. That's what I say. And because um, I know I have nowhere else to go with 
with this shit that goes on inside of me. You know, and I don't proclaim to be a spiritual giant, no, nothing like it. You know, I get uncomfortable, in fact, when newcomers are like, oh, you're 18 years old. Oh. And I'm like, oh, whoa, hang on a minute. What's that laying that shit on me? Whoa. You know, um, just a guy over here stanks me, and that's it. That's what I'm doing. It's like, come on, you know, you know. It, it's it's that thing about you know the story about the the, the two guys like and I'm in there the jungle with this sort of guy like this sort of newcomer guy and I say come on come on quick 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 and you hear the the lion and it's roaring and it's like and then I take me pack and I put my runners on and the guy is saying saying what are you doing you're not going to outrun the lion and I'm like I'm not trying to outrun the lion I just have to outrun you, you know? um, so I'm not saying, I'm not saying to this guy, listen, I want you to be eaten by the disease, but I'm saying I'm only going to stay with you for a certain amount of time and then like I have to get out of here, you know? And um So I get a sponsor. You know, and I get Shawnee to be my sponsor. So we sit around and we talk about the old times. Yeah, remember we done that, remember we done that, you remember we done that. What were the steps? Yeah, do you remember we done that, do you remember, and do you remember you done that, and I done that, and that. Uh, and that was my introduction to sponsorship. So I had to get a new sponsor. Sorry, Sean. But, um, and I did, I got another sponsor then, and he was Dean, a Canadian guy. Dean was a great guy. He sat with me at meetings and took me home from meetings, and, you know, he really did. He sat me. The only problem was, he was so crazy. I couldn't understand them. So I'd say to him, you know, you know, I'm trying to read her to this shit and this going on home and kicking me head. And his response would be, oh, <laughs> and I could not understand a fucking word the guy was saying. No matter how hard I listened, I tried so hard to listen to what the guy had to say, and it all sounded like, <laughs> Sorry, Dean. <laughs> and then I got the sponsor that I have still to this day, James C. And um, thanks, James. I love you. And, um, and then I started to do some work around here. And um, you know, and there's other things as well. If I kind of skip on to the friendship, I, in my head I'm thinking, you know, I just that kind of framework going on here. So it's like, shut up. Just keep talking. And, um, you know, the thing, and there's, Austin is in the room down there, sitting there, where is he, there he is, and um, Austin is from the other side of town, you know, and um, uptown, you want to call it that, and um, when I got clean, Austin used to take a meeting in my area, downtown, and, um, and I'd wonder, I was like, this guy doing bringing that nice car out here, you know, and taking this meeting out here to us and sitting with me for hours on end in this car, telling me that it's possible for me to live a different way. Um, I, I couldn't get my head around that sort of stuff. I, I didn't understand how, like, this whole NA thing was going to gel together when all people from all different places and all different, you know, experiences and stuff. I couldn't understand how that worked like. I couldn't understand how, like, people talking people talking, that somehow or another was going to, you know, stop me sticking needles in my arms, you know, and robbing people and doing, you know, do that sort of stuff. And uh, 
But these guys, they sat with me. Austin, Lemo as well, the first few months. You know, these guys, they sat with me and they talked to me until they were sure that I was okay and I was leaving the car and I had the next piece of the puzzle, you know. And, uh, and I keep coming back, like, you know, and, um, and I'm grateful for that, Austin. And Tommy is there as well. I look across the room. Tommy. Oh, Tommy. And uh, Tommy's a chef as well, you know. And I kind of knew Tommy before I actually got clean. I'd obviously heard a story. Tommy, he's a chef as well. And I thought I had something maybe in common. And, um, and we ended up walking together and stuff. And, um, and to be honest with you, you know, um, I've I done a lot of, like, recovery talk in that environment when we walked together. And, you know, and, and I was able to kind of get through a lot of stuff as a result of that relationship, you know. And, um, and, and again, Tommy, I want to thank you for the time that you spent with me, the patience, you know. Um, I know I must have frustrated you because, you know, I obviously thought of you as someone in authority, you know, when I was going back to that schoolhood thing and saying, I'm going to torment this bastard. <laughs> yeah. And it's taken a long time for me to, to, to become the person that I am today, you know. And I know it's only a result of people like yourself and Austin and James and these people who are still in my life, these people who still show up, these people who are still committed, you know, to themselves and Narcotics Anonymous, you know. Because um, they still want what's on offer. They still want the miracle that's on offer, you know. And... Um, and I have many friends also at home, like, you know, and this, this thing about, you know, friendship. You know, I, I, I have to be honest with you, I found it really hard to kind of get buddies, you know. I mean, I have many friends, you know, I don't want many friends, but buddies. And it, it, I was around quite a few years, actually, before I really gelled with somebody, you know. And um, I got two really good buddies in my life that couldn't be here today, Mick and Ronnie, and I just want a big shout out to them. And, you know, we've travelled and journeyed through our, our recovery together, like, you know, and um, we take a lot of, we used to take a lot of stick at home for that. You know what I mean? That we were like a clique or this sort of, you know the way you do that. You're like, oh yeah, it's them guys, oh yeah, Mr. Lennes, you know, you think they own the bleeding fellowship, you know, the sort of thing. And when we'd be there, we'd be doing service, like, we'd do service together, like, you know. Not only we recover through the steps, like, you know, to, with our sponsors to walk the steps and keep moving on with the progression. You know, but, you know, do all these wonderful things like that. You get an opportunity to do while you're clean. Like go and experience other places. You know, make new friends all over the world. I was getting text messages from all over the bleeding place. You know, um, the people sending their love to me, you know, to hope that I would share my message. You know, to share the hope, like. I got guys like laying around the line like you know you're the reason I got clean and I'm like ooh ooh and um to that I cannot and I will not you know take that on you know um I'm just carrying the message not my message it's not my message it's a narcotics anonymous message and um
you know, and the thing about it is, is I kind of maybe get confused because there's so many, so many things that went around in my head, obviously, by, you know, by saying that I was going to come here. And myself and my wife had already decided that we weren't going to come because we spent the summer in Europe and there uh, were our children, our family. And, um, and, and NA had a different plan, you know, and it was like, whoop, you know, and, um, and I find it hard to refuse narcotics anonymous. I just, I just don't have it in me, you know, and uh, and I know I can't have it all. Like, and um, although there's plenty of people in my head thinking they can still have it all, you know, so I still got all that shit going on, you know. But um, you see, for me, for me, it's difficult in this setting because I'm a kind of touchy feely kind of guy. It's like I need to look in your eyes and and, and listen to you, and you know, that's the type of person I am. And Luigi. From, from Italy, come over and he said to me the other day, we, we had one of the delegates, Walter, and uh, oh God, you gotta see Walter. He's like this big Italian guy. He's like DA Barabbas, like like a gold and all the rest of it. And we'd be at the delegates meeting in Europe, and all the other guys would be like, you know, and um, but I spoke to Walter. I spoke to him. I spoke to him. I didn't talk at him. I spoke to him. You know, like we speak to each other around here, you know, not with our heads, but with our hearts, you know, and if we put our hands on somebody, you know, when they're trembling and when they're afraid, you know, um, that that's what we get to do around here. We get to love each other, you know, to show each other that things, that things will be all right, like, you know, and, um, you know, that's the type of person that I am, you know, I, I you know, I can't go in for all that sort of, you know, ideology stuff and you know that, 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 that. I just don't I just cannot think at that level like you know and um, thank God thank God and um, so um, too like I'm aware that like it's being recorded like you know and um, you know that thing as well I was like really in my head I was thinking you know when you listen to those speaker tapes from America they all sound like the guy in the cinema you know the guy that does the presentations hi my name is Virgin Cinema. Welcome to the world of fantasy and adventure. And I'm like, how am I going to do that? With my accent, you know, because my accent is dog shit at home in Dublin. You know, it's dog shit. It's like, but, um, <laughs> yeah, you think when those guys go home, like, to, to the West, at the meetings, and like, hi, I'm here. Welcome to narcotics and all of that. Well, anyway, I don't, I, I don't mean no disrespect to those guys with those boots. But, uh, but you know what I'm talking about. Um, but it's like, you know, um, also, you know, you know I, I kind of don't really want to talk about myself. You know, I want to talk about other people. And, uh, I, I mean, I'm sure people in the room know that you say that you're sick to fucking death of talking about yourself. You know, it's almost like a relief now to be able to talk about other people, like, you know. And, uh, and, you know, and to the guys that are listening, you know, I, I mean, you know, it's that sort of thing, it's like what, you know, Jimmy Kinnan and, and Bob had that conversation, I listened to the CD a couple of years ago, you know, I nearly cracked into a puddle in the car driving down to carry you, it was like, oh my God, you know, and they were having this discussion, like, when it was just two of them looking at each other, thinking like, you know, you know what, what is this all about, why are we even doing this? You know, and Jimmy said that, you know, we're doing it for the, for, for the addicts that ain't even born yet. You know, and I know in this room that, that, that all these, you know, most of the people in this room weren't born when he said that. 
You know, and that's that's what gives me inspiration. That's what inspires me is when I hear people say stuff like that, and it's kind of profound, and it's it's all of that, like you know. But um, but I'm just trying to think outside of myself. You know, that there may be somebody somewhere is listening to this speaker tape, and they're thinking, what is the story with that Irish guy? <laughs> They really need a lot more recovery over there or something. Fucking guys whacked out. But, um, I assure you, right, because of the pressure that was being put onto me for all the messages that I got, you know, go up there and represent Ireland and then we're all counting on you and do us proud and it's like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Laying that one down, it's like, you know. Okay. Who am I representing, you know? Um, obviously, I'm representing something inside of me. Stephen. You know, um, because I should not be here, like all of us, we should not be here um, if we had not gotten Narcotics Anonymous. We would not be here. And um, so it truly is a miracle, you know. Um, and so I'm kind of running into walls here now, I'm thinking, you know, but that's, you know, even at home, it's like, you know, you got a half an hour like you were doing very well. It's like, you know, because it all becomes like the kind of Bart Simpson dialogue. It's like blah, 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 blah. But that's, you know, that's, I suppose, a little bit about who I am. I mean, I could talk about my journey through the steps. I could talk about how Colin Reed taught me to, to fashion and tailor the 12 steps like a loose-fitting garment that I could wear it in my life. It would be that force field, you know, and you'd like put the Miena jacket on and like, you know, I could deal with anything, you know. And that is the truth of my life. So if there is somebody listening, you know, or people in the room who are maybe not quite sure, you know, all that sort of worry and wonder about, oh, this or that or the other, you know, that sort of, you know, worry that gets in there to your gut and causes all sorts of illnesses and stuff. But, um, you know, it's known that, that, like, in that third step that it says, take my will in my life, you know. We made a decision to turn our will in our lives over, you know, to get in there and truly, truly fully understand the meaning, you know. And, um, and that it takes time. And that life will keep knocking you back and kicking you down until you learn and then you learn until you learn until you learn. You know, and the tenth step doesn't say if we're wrong. It says when we're wrong. So it's like, long may I continue to be wrong, and, um, and long may Sandra continue to tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, my, my message is, is like, you know, they say it's like, you know, the message is hope. The promise is freedom. And, you know, I don't, I don't disagree with that. I say, yeah, that's what it is. It's like, is there something you don't understand? You know, dirty bone, fucking robbing addicts, jails, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, clean living, beaches, any meetings, coffees, holidays, relationships, jobs, friends. That's all. That's all you get around here. That's all you get.
But you don't get it for nothing. And there's a price. And every day we have to wake up and pay that price. Every day. Not like, I don't want to do that today. I don't that yesterday. In fact, I've done it for the last thousand days. I want a day off today. No days off. No overtime. We just don't get it. We get paid every day when we show up, you know. And I'm okay with that, you know. I really am. I'm okay with that. You know, and, uh, and I love this fellowship. You know, I really do. I love this fellowship. You know, I don't love everything about the fellowship. Or I don't love everybody in the fellowship. But I try. I really, I try. And, uh, and I keep going back. And if I get into one of those situations where I think, you know, because I, I kind of get a thing about ownership. You know that thing, it's like, and I think, yeah, we should have, like, NA police, you know? Secret police. And it's like, you know what if, like, someone rings from an area or a region and says, yeah, we got this guy, and I swear to God, he's got everybody. Going to go. It's like, okay, we're sending the NA's what? We'll be there straight away. Hold him there. And we run in there, and we take him out, and we kick him into AA. No, I'm joking, I'm joking. Uh, but, uh, it doesn't work like that, you know. It's like that thing where it's like, oh yeah, I know where this guy is here. This guy is to teach me about tolerance. And it's like, no, it's not. This guy is here trying to stay clean and recover, just like I am. You know? And I know sometimes that I can't reach these people. I know I, I, I don't have the power. But I, I don't have no authority to turn somebody away. I don't have no authority to, to shoot my rage and anger at somebody because they're not living and recovering the way I think they should or the way NA thinks it should. They're sort of fundamental Shiite shake NA members. Um, you can't do that! I don't know. I mean, you've got to come maybe to some meetings in Dublin and, and maybe realize that maybe where I get my thinking from, you know. But, uh, you know, we kind of think around corners, you know. And, uh, or, or maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me. <laughs> you know, but I love to laugh. I love to laugh. It's like, you know, and I love to have the crack and I love to turn things on the head and, and do all that with it. Like, it's because... It's where I find my joy. You know? Clean, joyous, and free. You know? We gotta laugh around here. We gotta find our joy. Whatever that is. Climbing mountains, jumping a lake, as Christy Moore says. You know? Um, we gotta find it. We gotta find it quick. We don't wanna be miserable around here. You didn't get clean to be miserable. If you're miserable, you need to tell somebody you're miserable. What do I need to do? And I don't, I don't say, this is not like, oh, you're miserable and you're new. Yeah, no, no. If you're miserable, full stop. It's nothing to do without being new. A one year, or ten years, or twenty years, or thirty years, or forty years, or wherever it is. You know, um, that we get to tell somebody, you know, because this, that, that lion, he's like, he's always there. Every day I wake up, it's there. He's growling at me. 
I got me Nikes. How's it going? I see you there shaking your teeth. But, um, you know, so I really, I, you know, I, I don't know what I was going to say. I, I asked the guy above and I said, you know, whatever, just, you know, take your 50 minutes or hour, whatever it is, and just, you know, walk through me, like, you know. Um, and, and not so much that it's none of my business. I, I thought about that. You know, if I start, you know, tuning into the guy in my head with the Tourette syndrome, you know? And it's like, he just went on a battle for like five minutes. And it's like, you know, sorry about that, but um, I did tell you when I, when I signed the disclaimer that, like, you know, it's none of my business what comes out of my mouth. So you've got to talk to my higher power about that. But, um, but you know, uh, it's like, I know what it is, to, you know, it says to be mindful, you know, to be mindful, to be respectful, you know, to be them things, the things that I never knew about growing up, the stuff I never had, the lessons I never learned, all of that sort of stuff, you know. So I truly was reborn in Narcotics Anonymous, because all of the stuff that I had wasn't any use to me whatsoever, you know, really. And, and in my life, clean, you know. I've had all the struggles that everybody in the room has had. Different shapes. You know, is it the same shit? You know, that sort of thing. Is it the same shit? But, um, and I've had illness issues that I had to deal with. I was diagnosed with diabetes in 92. You know, talking about going back into toilets and on your knees and pulling down your trousers and sticking needles in your legs or in your belly and all that. And I'm thinking, you know, I know my higher power is, is a kind of funny sense of humor, but I'm thinking like, like, what, what the fuck's that about, like, you know? You know, okay, right, so I, I used needles, I nearly died, I got clean. And I used needles again. You know, and, um, but I was grateful, I was grateful that all I had was diabetes. Because I went down to nine stone. I, I had a friend at home who died around the same time. And he was so concerned that I had the virus. You know, and um, and he helped me with that. You know, Oliver Stanley. You know, I see that guy track up the Dublin Central Mission steps. We got a lunchtime meeting, and the steps go up and 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 up. I don't know. I don't know who designed that building anyway. They put put a lift into it, but uh, and this guy was in the latter stages of his illness, and every day, well, not every day. But a couple of days a week, he'd make the track up downstairs. So committed to the fellowship. And brought the, you know, and, and loved the fellowship, you know, just as I loved the fellowship. And inspired me, you know, to love the fellowship, you know. You don't have to love everybody in the fellowship, but to love the fellowship, you know. Because, Tudor, it saved my life, you know, and uh, like it saved his. He died at 41, you know. Um, I, I'm, I'm almost the same age as Oliver was when he died, you know. And I think that, you know, um, I have so much more living to do. You know, I'm grateful for the time that I have. And my higher power wants to take me today. I'm okay. I don't worry for me. I worry for my wife. I worry for my kids, you know, 
I want to be there when the shit hits the fan. I want to be there. And um, so I ask, you know, you know, give me a little bit more time, you know. Let me grow old around here. Let me be 90. Let me die in 90 at a convention or something, you know. <laughs> Let me be nice and be asked to share like this. Hey, he got, he got 68 years clear in the labor way up. Oh, that ain't there on the The blaze of glory. Okay, listen. So, that's it. I really don't have any more to say. I had loads to say. I couldn't sleep the other night when I got down to the convention. I started listening to speakers and I started going, oh, Jesus, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? And, uh, but you know, I'm okay. I've always been okay around you people. You know, but it doesn't stop me from worrying and taking my will back. We do it all the time, all the time, at any given time, you know. And, uh, and we're, we're allowed that. We're given that freedom, you know, so... I hope, I hope I've made sense. I hope, you know, that, um, you know, that I, I don't know what I hope. I just hope, okay? It's like, I just hope. So, someone said, keep it real, keep it Irish, keep it green. And, uh, and I know this is for the hecklers on the balcony, the Muppet Show guys. You know, those guys that said, you're not saying anything new. And uh, I'm going to end on something that's probably never been shared in this way at a Narcotics Anonymous War Convention. And that is their prayer in Oshkelga. A hirna, a quizilum of exhaust on Glockalesha made knock off fatal umma'ahu. Toran mishnok dumma'ahu yain of narish fatal. I'll come more and more to an agnew dumb and dark and all the hint on a kale. Keep coming back. I love you. One more time, let's thank Stephen for sharing with us. Dominique from the Philippines has been asked to read We Do Recover. Dominic, I'm an addict from Cebu, Philippines. We do recover when at the end of the road we find that we can no longer function as a human being, either with or without drugs. We all face the same dilemma. What is there left to do? There seems to be this alternative, either go on as best as we can to the bitter ends, jails, institutions, or death, 
or find a new way to live. In years gone by, very few addicts ever had this choice. Those who are addicted today are more fortunate. For the first time in man's entire history, a simple way has been proving itself in the lives of many addicts. It is available to us all. This is a spiritual, not religious program known as Narcotics Anonymous.